Good morning. Welcome to Faith Discovery Church. I'm so glad you're here. Such a great Sunday morning. I hope that you guys had a great weekend celebrating Thanksgiving. And it's so amazing. We get to close out our weekend here at church. We are opening today's service with Psalm 65, 1 through 8. Praise awaits you, our God in Zion. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who form the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders, where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. Will you stand as we recite the creed this morning? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Take a few moments and worship with us.
stand, lift our hands and voices. We invite you to meet the prayer team at the altar for prayer. Psalm 25 says, open the doors. Welcome the King of glory. I encourage you to do that this morning in your own way. We often pray that the Holy Spirit would be here, but he's already promised to be here. I think the better prayer is to say, welcome, Father, in your own way. I encourage you as I pray that you would make this your prayer time, that you would open your heart, perhaps even extend your hand and just say, well, maybe it's a little colloquial for you, but hello, Dad. Welcome, Father. He's here. Thank you, Jesus. Welcome, Father. Welcome to my heart. Welcome to this room. Welcome to the hearts of the worships that worshipers that are gathered here. Lord, I thank you for the invitation that you've given to us to come. To come with confidence. In our own way, Lord, sometimes wordlessly, sometimes with cries, sometimes with songs, to come into your presence and to say, here I am. This is my heart. This is my need. 
I pray, Lord, for the needs of your congregation this morning. Healing of hearts, encouragement, spirit, strengthening, provision financially. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to be people who are children in your presence, who readily receive what you have prepared for us. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for this church body and pray that you would continue to rest your favor on our efforts at serving and teaching and preaching and worshiping together. That we would be a light in this community, a light in this part of the world where you have called us to be the body of Christ. Be honored, Lord, I pray. In what is done here in your name, grant wisdom to those who lead us, our pastor, Lord, our elders, our deacons. May they know the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives in the ordinary decisions that are made of each day. Lord, we pray for a broken world in which we live. We pray for the millions that are suffering in wartime. Lord, we ask somehow that the mighty archangels of heaven would do battle with the demons of death and darkness. That the forces of goodness and glory would defeat the forces of evil. That the dying and suffering would be brought to an end. For Jesus, we pray as you taught us to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, open our hearts this morning as our pastor brings the word. Help us to hear you, to hear your word, to respond with a ready yes, so that your your will can be accomplished in us and through us. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ and God's people said, Amen. Stand and greet someone this morning. I'm so thankful that you're here. Encourage one another's hearts. Well, good morning again. It's nice to have you joining us. And for those of you who are joining us online, we're glad to have you as well. If you are new here in the building, if this is one of your first few weeks, we would love to get to know you better. We would love to greet you. So there are cards in front of you you can fill out. You can um, head over to the Information Center after service. Um, Pastor Jerry would will be there, and he would love to greet you, and there's a gift for you. So please make that a priority to say hi. Um, so we can get to know you, as I said. Um, this afternoon, Awana and youth are recessed. We're taking a little break, giving our leaders a little break. We appreciate them very much, and we hopefully we hope that this is a time for you to spend with your families, and we will see everyone back next week. Um, in the 
um, hallway right behind us, there is a table filled with power strips and power saving or water saving um, shower heads. And they're for you from JCPNL. <laughs> so they have dropped off a lot and they are for you. So don't be shy. Please take as many as you'd like. They are um, there to share. So on your way out, grab a power strip or a water saving shower head. Um, as we we are in coming up to the season of Advent, um, next week it will look like Christmas here when you come, which will be wonderful. So there are a couple things that um, we're doing, but there are um, Advent readings on all of the welcome tables. They're near the doors. If you haven't grabbed one, they're kind of purple and blue in those colors, so they're easy to spot. So please take one of those for your family. Um, spend some time each day through Advent. Advent starts um, next day. Um, reading through those, there's one for each day. Also, Pastor Jason will be writing a blog that will be available on our app. So if you do not have the app, scan that QR code in your bulletin. Make sure you have it on your phone, and he'll be posting um, one each day in the blog section of the app. So there are two um, ways to be in Scripture um, and be fed throughout the Advent season. So make that a priority um, for your family. Also coming up, there is a uh, women's gathering at the Pettibones House um, that Joy is hosting on Friday, December 15th. I mean, you are very, very welcome to join us all there, that we will be um, having appetizers and desserts, and you're welcome to bring some of those with you. But even if you don't, um, please join us. We would love to see you. We would love to spend some time together just celebrating um, being with each other and celebrating the season. So make sure that is on your calendar for December 15th at 6 p.m. As we say thank you to you, one of the things you might notice is over the last few weeks and over the next few weeks, our hallway is getting painted. Um, Our painter started over here, and he is painting through the hallway, so um, that will be happening over the next few weeks, Um, and we're so grateful by... um, to be able to do things like that, little things, because of your faithfulness. We are able to spruce up um, things around the church. We'll be having a giving tree uh, also in the in the cafe next week, which you'll be able to participate in. Um, and there's lots of ways that we hope that we can make this place welcoming, that we can serve you, and that we can serve the community. So we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for all the ways that you give. If you're unsure of the ways to give, they're up on the screen. Um, there's boxes here person you can give online um, and you can even text that number um, if you'd like to give um, to a specific thing there's lots of different ways that you can do that so we are grateful for you thank you for your faithfulness let's stand as we worship together as we continue in worship I would encourage you to rejoice to pray to give thanks goodness of God.
23 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When David wrote that, the house of the Lord was a place. It was the temple. It was a place that he would go to or that people could go to. And there were parts of it that were available to everyone. And then there were parts of it that weren't. 
And even as the king, there were parts that weren't available to David. But then Jesus came. And now, it's his presence, all of it, is available to all of us. So there's nowhere you can run. There's nowhere you can go that you can escape God's goodness, God's love, God's peace, God's mercy, God's presence, God's provision, God. There are times where it feels like the troubles of the world are chasing us always. There are times we can sing that song and, and anamorphize the troubles of our world that they're always the things that are chasing us. But David wrote, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. God's goodness is with you. And so wherever you're at in your, in your journey today, God's there. He's not surprised by what's going on. He's not intimidated by what you're facing. He's with you. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you so much that you're with us. That your presence is promised. And so God, I pray as we continue this service, but not only in this service, as we go forward, that there would be an actual realized manifestation of your presence that would be undeniable. That there would just be an undeniable sense of your love for each one of us and your goodness that we would see it and that we would honor you for it in your name we pray amen you may be seated children you are dismissed for kids church younger children um you are invited to kind of hang out with your parents and you can hang out in the nursery there is a uh the service being streamed in there next week your class will reopen While all of that's happening, check out this video.
Well, good morning, everybody. If we haven't met, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here at Faith Discovery Church. It's an honor that you've chosen to spend a little bit of your holiday weekend Sunday with us. I really hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving and the days that followed. For those of you who are Black Friday shopper hunters, I hope you found some time to rest from your adventure. Uh, I know uh, for our house uh, that one of the gifts that has been given to us as the boys have gotten older is that we, Joy, we, Joy, doesn't go Black Friday shopping uh, overnight uh, on anymore anymore. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's not like all through the night and then all through the next day like it used to be. All that to say is I'm really glad that you're here this morning. Um, I hope that being here makes your Sunday better. I promise you that your presence here is making everyone else's church experience better. Church is better when we're together. Uh, all of those who are unable to be here, all those of you who are unable to be here and are joining us online, well, you're making each other's church experience better. Uh, I love that you're still committed to community. I love that you're here online. I encourage you to ch- chat and talk to each other as we go through the service. It's great to have you. Last Sunday was Baptism Sunday, and we talked last week about how the love and the hope of Jesus are revealed through our lives to our worlds, our circles of influence. If you weren't here, we looked to Scripture to see how uh, how Jesus is revealed through the way we love each other, through our good deeds, through our compassion, and that our choices actually point people in the direction of Jesus. I think it's important to realize this because for so many of us, Jesus has transformed our hearts and our minds and has added so much value to our lives. I was uh, uh, watching, a, uh, scrolling through some kind of social media feed this week, and I came across a reel of a video testimony from a guy named Brian Walsh. And Brian Walsh is a member of the uh, alternative rock band Corn, And uh, since the early 90s, Corn has been like really famous and uh he was one of the leaders of that group and uh he's a very sound uh financial individual and he had amassed large amounts of millions of dollars and a large real estate portfolio and he was living all of the rock and roll lifestyle that one could live and he was to hear him talk about it miserable and he he's a he's not the the average person you would see talking on a sunday morning he's got tattoos all over the place and uh long dreaded uh long dreads and he's really different looking to be honest they talked about how one of his real estate partners one day invited him to church and he said, I can't go to church. I look like this. Besides, everybody at church, and this is what he says in the video, looks and talks like Ned Flanders. If you know the Simpsons, you know what I'm talking about. 
And he went to church and he found uh, the, the, the person who was talking that day, the pastor of the church. Uh, he went because he did, a friend invited him. And the friend was a Christian and the friend didn't act like Ned Flanders. So he figured, I'll just go to be polite. And he went and the pastor talked about the transforming work that had happened in his life. From being an alcoholic, uh, drug addicted person to the, the God had changed his life, changed his heart. And brought him all the way to the point now he had devoted his life to Jesus. And he had found peace. And Brian Walsh talks about how the one thing he didn't find in any of the things that he had amassed was peace. No matter where he looked, he couldn't find it. And so the pastor said that day, if you want to find this peace, I encourage you to pray for it. He went home and he prayed for it. He started studying scripture. And the more he investigated Jesus, the more he found peace in his heart. And in his mind, and when he gave his heart to Christ, all the things, all the things he had chased for to find relief and peace and comfort and and confidence and fulfillment, he found in Jesus. And so his life has been transformed. He had gone from a world of heavy depression and deep-seated anxiety to a world where he was comfortable with who he was. Watching that video reminded me that there are so many aspects of who Jesus is and what he has done for me that I take for granted. I don't even think about it. When I think about what Jesus has done for me, it's incredible. Jesus changed my story. When you ask Jesus to be part of your life, he begins to change your story. He has the ability to restore order to the chaos of your life. And when you start to see your story change, when you see hope begin to spring up in your heart, when you have joy where you didn't have it before, it's natural to want to talk about it. And that right there is where many of us get tripped up. Because the idea of talking about Jesus, especially to other people, can be very intimidating. We don't really know how to do it. We're afraid we're going to say something wrong. And as soon as we say something wrong, somebody's going to target that thing that we said wrong. And it's going to blow up in our face. And so I better not start. It can be overwhelming, it can be intimidating to even think about talking about Jesus to people. And fortunately, like we talked about last week, talking about Jesus to people is not the only way we we show Jesus to the world. But today I want to present to you, I want to offer to you, that a great place to start talking to people about Jesus, actually a great place to start talking to people about anything, is the table. See, we live in a fast-paced world. For, for, for many of us, Thanksgiving is a time, maybe it's the only time where our attention comes back to the table. I love the table at Thanksgiving. The table at Thanksgiving has food on it. Lots of food. When you eat the food at Thanksgiving, there's still more food on the table. It's great. But it's also this place 
that the table is a place that brings people together. It levels the playing field. I don't know what happens in your family. I haven't had Thanksgiving at your house. And this isn't me asking to invite myself. But I can tell you that at my house, in my family, there are different people who come to the same table. And by say, by some of you are like, yeah, well, you're all unique. We're, of course, there's different. There's not one person that goes to the table. When I say there are different people, there are different people who come to my table. And they come with their agendas and their ideas. They come with their positions and they come with their, all of the stuff that they bring. And they come thinking maybe they're better than others. Or some come maybe thinking they're not good enough as others. Or maybe they come thinking they're not as accomplished as others. Or maybe they come thinking they have the idea of how it's right. And everybody comes with all of the stuff that they come to the table with. And they sit at the table and it levels the playing field. Because it's one table and we're all together in one place. The table is a place where people who aren't alike come together. And it's, it's a welcoming place. It's always been that way. We read in the Old Testament about David. David invites Mephibosheth, who is his uh, arch enemy's grandson, who's in exile because by all accounts he should be killed for having a right to the throne. And David doesn't kill him. He invites him to the table. And when he invites him to the table, he says, you have a place here for the rest of your life. Because what he's saying is, not only are you not to be murdered here, you're welcomed here. You have a place of honor here. The table is a place where we honor each other. We welcome each other. And we begin to talk. When we read the Gospels, we often find Jesus meeting with people at the table. That's not coincidence. It's not by accident. It's not that the Gospel writers were a lot like me and they liked what was on the table. Jesus was very intentional about meeting with people at the table. And some of us have seen this. One of the most iconic paintings in the world. The Last Supper sits in the dining room of a covenant in Milan. You don't, might not know that. You might think that that's in a famous museum like the Louvre. It's actually the original sits in a covenant in a kitchen or in a dining room of covenant in Milan. It's when, and as most of us picture it, we uh, having seen in countless history books or online, we see Jesus and the disciples sitting along each other, next to each other on one side of the table, engaged in a conversation as they eat. Jesus in the center. And the way Da Vinci pictures it, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of conversation that's happening amongst the disciples. I wasn't there. I read about it in Scripture. But if you're like me, oftentimes when you read about it in Scripture, especially in John's depiction of that night in chapters 13 through 17, we think we picture that being the setting. We think about like that. Like that's what's happening as Jesus is talking about all the things he talks about that night. But Da Vinci, whether intentionally or mistakenly, he changes one important detail. They were not sitting at the table. They were reclining at the table. You see, reclining while eating was a Greek practice that the Romans uh, adopted. It would have been common practice in Jesus' day. 
And sure enough, Scripture alludes to this posture in details we often look. For example, uh, Matthew 26, Jesus was reclining at the table as a woman poured expensive perfume on his head. Or when he reclined at the table again after he washes the disciples' feet in John 13. When you think about Jesus coming back wrapped in a towel, coming back to the table and reclining, it changes the way you might think about that night. It lowers the, um, the agenda. It's now a comfortable meal instead of a formal setting. It's a comfortable meal in the company of good friends. They're relaxing at the table. Even as Jesus has these important, incredibly important things that we talk about 2,000 years later, he's hanging out. There's an air of, air of relaxation. And that, that was actually intentional. The air of relaxation is what made Romans lie down. It made this idea of eating so attractive to the Romans. It was a demonstration of security. It makes, which makes it all the more endearing when we read in John 13, lying back on Jesus' chest was one of the disciples who Jesus loved. Jesus was relaxed, he was secure, and his disciples were as well. You see, for Jesus, the table was first a place to welcome people. There's another famous meal which uh, we often overlook this posture. It takes place in Matthew 9. It says, as Jesus reclined at the table... Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and the disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, notice what their question is. Why does he eat with those people? They don't say, why is he reclining with them? It was natural for people to recline together at the table, to make it a comfortable setting, to lower the standard, to equal the playing field so that we could all be together. They, the Pharisees didn't have a problem with the leveling of the playing field so they all could be together. What they had a problem with, why are you sharing food with those dirty people? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Picture Jesus, the disciples, sinners, and tax collectors relaxing around the room, eating and conversing together. Uh, Something that our formal dining rooms with their straight back chairs simply can't relate to. I like to eat. No surprise there. Talk about it sometimes. I'm not the um, neatest eater. Have you ever been to some kind of formal dining place where everything is so pristine? We have some friends. We, they have their chairs in their dining room are like linen covered. Have you ever seen this? I'm scared to eat at their house because sometimes I miss the mouth. And the food goes elsewhere. I have a tendency to make a mess. And some places it's like, you can't make a mess. I'm not good at those places. Jesus didn't create an environment where you couldn't make a mess. He was okay with you being comfortable, relaxed. He was okay with you being you. 
Sometimes we think about Jesus being, we have to pretty ourselves. We have to get ourselves ready to be in God's presence. God's already with us. There's nothing about you he doesn't know or is surprised by. And he loves you. The Pharisees show up and they're quick to question things. And Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a physician. It's those who are sick. We typically interpret Jesus' words to mean that only sinners need fixing. But he's not fixing or healing or forgiving any sinners in this story. He's reclining and dining with them. Fellowship was the priority. Jesus wasn't afraid to fellowship with people who other people said aren't good enough. Jesus welcomed them at the table. Then Jesus continues, now go and learn what this means. I desire compassion rather than sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous but sinners. Our standing, let me clarify this, our standing with Jesus is not about performing the right tasks. It's about being with him and the people he loves. Jesus cares less about what you do than who you're with. He wants you to be with him and the people he loves. In John, we've talked a little bit about John 13, this idea that Jesus is relaxing at the table. In that passage, and I've talked about this before, but I want to come back to it. Jesus says, Greater love has no man to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. And I would love for it to stop right there. But it doesn't. If you do what I command. So you're Jesus' friend if you do what his commands. You know what his command is? It's in the next sentence. You are, you, what I command is this. Love one another. For Jesus, the table was a place that was welcoming. In his book, Never Eat Alone, Keith Ferrazzi writes, When I was an insolvent student working my way through business school, my apartment wasn't what you'd call a spotless designer residence. Minimal, yes. A bit dungy, definitely. Still, it never stopped me from throwing outrageous fun, outrageously fun dinner parties where I enjoyed the company of good friends and a few strangers. It was in those days that I learned how powerful the art of throwing dinner parties could be in creating wonderful memories and strengthening relationships in the process. He goes on to say, today I safely say that my strongest links have been formed at the table. The companionable effects of of breaking bread bring people together. It's not just Jesus who figured out that the table is the right place to hang out with people. When we eat together, something spiritual happens. I think I've told this story once, but if you're new, you haven't heard it. A couple, weeks, a couple months ago, I had somebody in my office. Actually, I was out to lunch with somebody, and the person said, I, it is so much easier to talk to you when we're at lunch together than when we're in your office. 
When there are some who've said, I don't want to point anybody out, but some of you are in this room. When I ask you to come meet with me, they're like, that's like going to meet with the principal. By the way, I'm not the principal. Please don't feel awkward about coming and hanging out with me. I'm here to support. But there's something about food that just makes it a little bit more comfortable. And so not only was it a place to welcome people, for Jesus, the table was a place to see people. Or maybe it's better, better said, for, it was a place for people to be seen. Luke 14 says that, uh, tells a story, and this is a little bit longer passage of scripture. Read along with me on the screens. Now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose to see the, how they chose the places of honor, saying to them. So here's what's happening. Give me give background. Jesus is at a party. And it's not assigned seating, but it's assigned seating. The more important people get the places of honor and they sit in, in, in their order. And so Jesus notices what's going on and he says, all right, I got a story to tell you. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor. By the way, if that's how he starts the story, imagine being the person who sat down in the place of honor. Do not sit down in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you might be invited by him. For he who has invited you both will come to you and say, you got to give up your place to this person. And then you'll begin, then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes and says to you, friend, move up higher, then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. Forever, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. He also said to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you'll be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame and blind. Then you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. This a little bit reminds me of the beer commercial in the 1980s with um, uh, Bob Euchre. He's going to a baseball game and uh, the usher comes and says, sir, you're sitting in the wrong seat. And he says, maybe you remember this, I must be in the front row. And then the next scene is him all the way at the top of the stadium in his seat. And he's like, I don't know what happened. I wasn't in the front row. Jesus is saying, If you put yourself in the front row, somebody might come and demote you. And there's nothing more embarrassing. But if you'll allow yourself to be humbled, other people can come and move you up. And then he says to the host, stop inviting people who can pay you back. Invite the people who can't. Because when you invite the people who can't, I'll pay you back. And I promise you, Jesus pays better than your rich neighbor. That's what he's saying. Jesus comes to destroy our distinctions. In this text, he says, you don't need to find some poor people uh, and figure out how you could serve them. This text is not saying the next time Thanksgiving comes around and celebrate, instead of celebrating with your family, why don't you go volunteer at a soup kitchen? Jesus is saying when you're normally having a meal at your house 
and you've got some friends and family and relatives and they're all coming over, don't stop. Invite them. That's fine. Celebrate with your people, but don't stop there. Also invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the blind, invite the lame, invite people who normally that you would ignore. Invite people who have nothing to pay you back. Invite people who are hurting. Invite them into your home. Invite them around your table. Because when you invite them to the table, all the things that make them less are gone. And they sit as equals with all the people. And Jesus is leveling the playing field. All the people who are never seen can be seen when they're invited to the table. Jesus sees those who are rarely seen. We need to have eyes to see those who are rarely seen. For Jesus, the table was a place to bless people. In her commentary on this, uh, on this Luke 14 passage, uh, Catherine Matthews puts it this way. Our generosity towards strangers and, the, and those we might consider strange. You notice the distinction there. I told you, and my family, all kinds of different people come to the table. I didn't say they were strange. You might have inferred that, but I didn't say it out loud. She says, when you invite strangers or people you consider strange. Love doesn't mean love your own family and friends. It means love the stranger in your midst. Jesus' challenge reaches across the boundaries of place and time. Excuse me. Calling us to be more aware of those from whom we are inclined to avert our eyes. All of us, very differently, have people we might avert our eyes. For some of us, it's a struggle to look at the sick. For some of us, it's a struggle to engage the poor. For some of us, it's detestable to engage somebody who has a different political view than we do. Jesus says, love the stranger. Invite them. It challenges the way we do it. So while it's true, we're not very likely to invite the poor or the crippled, the lame or the blind to our next dinner party. I wonder who the strangers in our lives are whom we're not used to inviting. Maybe we could be encouraged to invite. And that answer might be different for each one of us. Perhaps the strangers in your life, like I said, might be people from other racial or ethnic backgrounds. They may be from a different religion than Christianity or or a different political stance. But it's a place that you could bless the person who didn't know that you'd be the person who would bless them. Because just as likely as you have some ideas about what it might be, there's a good chance they have ideas about what they might receive from you. But for Jesus, all that's wiped out. He's, by the way, he's very intentional about it. This doesn't happen by, by accident. Jesus wasn't just happened to be reclining at a table and a bunch of sinners and uh, poor people come and hang out with him. No, he went to that table. Lastly, for Jesus, the table was a place to engage people. When Jesus offers to to heal the centurion servant in Matthew chapter 8, the soldier insists, Lord, 
I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. After Jesus commends the centurion for his faith, he reveals many will come from the east and the west. This is Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. And recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Does that look like the kingdom of heaven you think about? When you picture heaven, does it include reclining at the table with people who are very different than you? Because that's what Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven looks a lot like lying back, eating and resting with our Savior and our friends. And every moment we spend with him now brings a little bit of that experience to earth. May we never forget Jesus' promise. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to them and dine with them and be with me. Jesus doesn't have an agenda about who's to be invited. Everyone's invited. Well, I don't like that person. It's okay. Invite them. Well, I don't like me. I don't feel like I'm welcome there. You are. There's nothing that you could do that can separate you from the love that's in Jesus. I'm not sure how this all works out. That's okay. Jesus will work all those details out. Well, other people reject me. I'm sorry that happens. Jesus won't. For Jesus, the table is is a place to engage people other people wouldn't ordinarily engage. And if you feel like a person who other people don't ordinarily engage, you find a place of honor at Jesus' table. That's the way Jesus looked at the table. For us, we don't recline at the table so much. People who have my physique can be very happy that we don't recline. We, we have a chair in our house. It's a, a really huge, ginormous beanbag. And it's black felt covered. We call it elephant poop. It's the elephant poop. And the kids like to jump on the chair and, and lay at the chair. If, if Jonah has friends or sleepover, inevitably one of them ends up sleeping on that beanbag, which they have to be sore the next morning. Every couple of months, I make the mistake of sitting in the beanbag chair. And it's quite comical to everybody else to try to watch me get out of it. I'm happy we don't recline at the table anymore. Although I could do without the linen-covered chairs. For us, the table is a place where we catch up with people. The table means some level of time commitment. Whether it's over coffee or a meal, it's a place you're going to get by small talk. 
Some of us, we come to church and church is easy for some of us. We can get here on time-ish and leave right at the end or maybe even before communion's over and we don't ever or and someone's at the door and we can say hello and we can we can uh we can small talk our way through and never really have to open up and expose what's going on that's not community but when we sit down at a table with someone you got to start to open up The longer you're there, the more likely you are to be honest and start to spill the ugliness out or see the person sitting across from you and spill the ugliness out. And I got to tell you, there's nothing more rewarding being across the table from someone who will let the ugliness spill out or being at the table with someone you trust enough to let the ugliness spill out. And we catch up this Saturday. I'm going to go down to, to Maryland and go to a funeral for uh, a, a guy I call Uncle Ben. He's not my biological uncle, but he's my uncle. And uh, he was my dad's college roommate. And, uh, and actually his son and I are, also were college roommates. Our families are very close. And so I called my cousin, who's not my cousin yesterday, to express condolences about the passing of his father, who is my uncle. And you know me, I'm emotional. And so I was emotional on the phone call. And my cousin was, he was like, I said, I'm sorry being emotional. It's supposed to be, you're supposed to be the one who's emotional right now. And he's like, can I be honest with you? I haven't figured out how to be emotional yet with this. And over the phone, we sat at the table. And we talked about the death of his dad. And the life of his dad. And the ugliness spilled out. And it was beautiful. We don't get to talk all that time. He li- we live several hours all the time. We, we live several hours away from each other. But it was a, for us, in that moment yesterday, the table was a place to catch up. But you got to be willing to open up. For us, the table is a place to focus on the people we're with. You ever been to one of those restaurants that takes the takes your phones, that makes you put the phones not in your hands? <laughs> and it forces you to be with, be present with the people that you're sitting with. The table is a place that pushes us to be present with the people we're present with. Saw a meme this week of a of a of a couple that said our Saturday nights are we play, we watch a movie on the big screen and sit on the couch and look at our little screens while we watch the big screen. The table, you put the screens away and you're present with the people. Where we talk and share and hear and listen. It's a place of focus. Third, and this is my final point for us, I think. For us, the table is a place to invite people to. I told you earlier that it can be really intimidating, really intimidating to share your faith with people, to talk about Jesus with people, to talk about what Jesus has done in your life, the change that has 
happened. Sometimes the easiest time to do that is when someone else notices something different about you. But that doesn't always happen. We were in our, our kitchen last week and there was a knock on the door and a family from our town, uh, the father and a couple sons came in and they were just dropping something off. But the sons and Jack started playing and for a couple hours we sat at the counter in our house and um, eventually the conversation turned to a small group he had been part of with his church. And uh, we had small group, we had men's group last Saturday night and this was the day it happened. And he talked about how difficult it had been to be committed to that group and how it had just ended up not working. And I said, we have ours tonight. And in that moment, it was almost awkward not to invite him to it. And so I, I said, you're welcome to come anytime. It wasn't this major, I'm going to invite people over and we're going to go through points. One, two, three, four. I didn't have a PowerPoint presentation that was going to expose him to Jesus. And then it was all going to work out. It was in the midst of this conversation that was totally unplanned where we just sat at the table and life started to happen. And then out of nowhere, an invitation opportunity opened and I walked through and he didn't come. And that's okay. The table is a place we get to invite people to. And so this holiday season, as a church, we want to increase our invitation culture. But more than inviting people to church, I want to encourage all of us to invite people into our lives. Into our lives at tables and through our actions. And it's going to look a little different or maybe not normal to you. One of the ways we're doing this is Laura talked about our giving tree that's going to be in the, in the, in the foyer. Every year we typically have a giving tree uh, that we try to promote to give things to local charities or to the food pantry or these kinds of This year we're doing something very different. We're going to hang tags on that tree that you're just going to do and we're not going to know anything about. Things like bake cookies for your neighbor. Rake somebody's leaves. Invite somebody to dinner. Really what this is, is be a gift. Do a random act of kindness to your community. What if our church just started being kind to people? What might happen? And so it's different. But we want to increase invitability culture. So I encourage you to share your table with somebody. And if you don't want to come them in, them to come in your home, I get it. Joy and I have become experts at hiding stuff in our closets. If you if we invite you to our house, you're going to see a house that's pretty organized. Don't look in the closet. But maybe you're not as adept at that and so you're uncomfortable. Ask somebody to meet you at McDonald's or Starbucks or the Laughing Goat or Washington Diner or Enzo's and share a table with someone and just start to begin to have to share life. And you know what? Don't plan to talk about Jesus, but be awake to a, an opportunity that might arise. Because as you share a table with someone, they're going to start to talk about some of their struggles. 
or there's some of the things that you can relate to. And in those moments, you can share what you've experienced. I I really struggled with that, but Jesus helped me. Paying for the person's meal behind you at the drive-thru or their coffee. Share the table with people this season. It may or may not lead to you sharing your story. It may or may not lead to you sharing your faith. You may never have to talk about Jesus in this idea. But you'll share a story. And it's a story, your story, points people to Jesus. So if you're not sure how to talk to Jesus about people, how about this? Let's switch that. If you're not sure how to talk to people about Jesus, you might want to talk to Jesus about people sometimes. Let's demythize whatever that word is. Let's ease it up a little bit. Let's start inviting people into our lives and sharing with them. And the table is a great place to do it. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that we are welcomed to the table. That there is a place for us at the table. I thank you that you see me when other people don't see me. I thank you that you see those who I don't see. Help me to be an inviter. Help us to be inviters. Help our tables to be places where stories are shared. And I pray that ultimately it would point people to you that people would learn about the love, the hope, the grace, and the mercy of Jesus and never heard before. Thank you for enriching my story. Thank you for enriching our stories. Be honored with them as we share them. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite the elders, our, our leaders, our servers to come this morning and... Um, We're going to share communion together, which is something we do quite regularly. And we're going to do it. We have some extra lines just to make it so this side you can go to either one of these aisles and come forward. But what we ask you to do is receive the elements from the person serving and then take them back to your seat. And then as you do that, we'll share them together. So I invite you to stand, come forward and receive from the table. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I did, but it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus, King of endless world. No one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. 
history, this has become a very sacred and sacramental exercise. But for a second, would you just entertain me? Would you just picture yourself hanging out with Jesus and he's chosen to have dinner with you? Of all the people he could choose, he chose you. And it's not at some formal establishment. He's reclining because he wants you to be comfortable in his presence. And it's in that environment that he takes the bread and he breaks it. And he said, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. When you eat it, remember me. Jesus has done every possible thing to break down the walls so that we could be in his presence. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for making it possible for me to be with you, for us to be with you. Amen. Would you take the bread? Then after supper, he took the cup. It says in the same way, And he said, this cup represents a new covenant between God and man. Jesus, I thank you that you've knocked down every barrier. That you've eliminated every obstacle that keeps me from God's presence. And now, because of this blood, I can go boldly in your presence. David wrote, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus, you've made it that wherever I am, I'm your house. I pray that I would honor and uphold that. And that I would love people the way you told me to. Help us to love people in the way you've called us to. In your name we pray. Would you take the cup?
Would you stand as I offer today's benediction? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Lord, I pray that your peace would be established in our hearts, would go forward in us, would walk in front of us and beside us. And that as we invite people in whatever way we choose to do it, to our table, to a local establishment, by making them cookies or raking their leaves or paying for their coffee. I pray that your love would shine through all of it and that everything we do would point people in the direction of you. Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday. It starts Christmas season. Make sure you grab a, a Advent devotional on your way out and we'll see you next Sunday.